Luke chapter 2, John chapter 1. We're going to begin in uh, Luke chapter 2, just a verse before we head over to John chapter 1. We're working through the miracles of Christmas uh, for this month. We're working on the miracle of the manger this morning, the miracle of the manger. Uh, if you're in Luke chapter 2, find verse 9. We want to talk a little bit uh, about the importance of the uh, angels, the importance of the messengers here. Luke chapter 2, verse 9 says, And lo, the angel of the Lord came upon them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were sore afraid. And the Greek word for angel is angelos. Uh, the meaning of that word is messenger. Um, at this time in New Testament culture, an angelos, a person who was a messenger, uh, was an ambassador that would speak and act in the place of the person that sent them. Uh, they were such important people that it is believed that they were under the protection of the gods and that they would um, really were not to be harmed or injured because of this. Now, we find this, uh, this word in the New Testament uh, to describe these powerful uh, spiritual messengers who would speak and act on behalf of God and at the pleasure of God. And, and to lead up to the birth of Jesus, they were fairly busy. Listen to Luke chapter 1, verses 11 to 14. It says, And there appeared unto him an angel of the Lord standing on the right side of the altar of incense. And when Zacharias saw him, he was troubled, and, and, and fear fell upon him. But the angel said unto him, Fear not, Zacharias, for thy prayer is heard, and thy wife Elizabeth shall bear thee a son, and thou shalt call his name John, that being John the Baptist. Verse 14, And thou shalt have joy and gladness, and many shall rejoice at his birth. In uh, the same chapter, verses 30 and 31, uh, it says, And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive in thy womb and bring forth a son, and shalt call his name Jesus. Now, over in Matthew chapter 1, verse 20 and 21, another angel came to a very confused and probably very angry Joseph to say this, Joseph, thou son of David, fear not to take unto thee Mary thy wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Ghost, and she shall bring forth a son, and thou shalt call his name Jesus, for he shall save his people from their sins. Now, all of these angels, these messengers have one focus, and that is to let people know what God is doing. And on the day that Jesus was born, a whole group of angels bring a message to some shepherds that are watching their sheep, because that's what shepherds do, and they're watching at night because that's where the predators come. Now, think about the situation just a little bit through the eyes and the ears of the angels. God is on his throne in heaven. Glory and splendor is all around. Then an angel is summoned before the throne. God says, go to these shepherds watching the sheep just outside Bethlehem. Here's the message I want you to tell them. And then a great company of angels is summoned before the throne. And, and God says, when the, angels have, when, when the angel has given the message, then I want you to, to praise me, sing, all of you praise me, so the shepherds hear about my glory. Somehow they, they get to earth, transferring from the you know, heavenly realm to the earthly realm. don't know how that works, 
don't really need to. Um, but suddenly they're in the field at night with the shepherds. Uh, and the shepherds are absolutely terrified. And they should be terrified. This is not a normal event, angels appearing. When we see the angels of God appearing and, and men knowing that it's angels, they are terrified. Terror is an appropriate response to an angelic being. Right? So before the angels can even deliver the message, he has to calm the shepherds down a little bit. He says, don't be afraid. I understand this kind of thing can kind of undo a person. Uh, but I can assure you that I'm here with news that is going to change the world forever. The long-awaited Messiah has been born in Bethlehem. Right now he's laying in a manger. And we know from past Christmas messages that these shepherds in all likelihood provided the sacrificial lambs uh, for the temple in Jerusalem. The lambs would be wrapped or swaddled so they wouldn't hurt themselves, causing a blemish that would make them unfit for sacrifice. And one of the quickest and easiest ways to calm a newborn baby is to swaddle them. Wrap them up like a little papoose, a little, a little mummy with the head sticking out so they can't wiggle around. Right? It's worked on both my daughters, all five of my six grandkids. Cademan just would not, sorry, he just <laughs> would not know. Nothing settled that boy down but his mama. So, <sighs> Jesus is swaddled. He's laid in a manger, just like the Lamb of God that he was, to take away the sins of the world, just like he would, to anybody who would trust him to save them. And surely the shepherds saw that. They saw that, that foreshadow, that, that parallel. From that moment in history, all, all of mankind was changed. The angels were there. The good news is starting to spread in a moment of incomprehensible significance, but, but, but something else adds to that significance. We, we see it again in verse 9, but we tend to miss it uh, because we're, we're, we're not paying close enough attention. We think the angel is there, but, but look at the second part of verse 9, Luke chapter 2, verse 9. And the glory of the Lord shone round about them. The glory of the Lord's visible presence on earth. We read about it regularly in the Old Testament when the Israelites are on the journey from Egypt to, to Canaan. We read about God's glory in relation to the temple and, and, or the tabernacle first, then the temple. And now here in the field, the angels are going to deliver this message and the glory of the Lord is already there. God's presence has already come down to earth. The glory of the Lord was present so we could see the significance of this event. So you can have peace because there is the presence of God. See, your, your past does not disqualify you no matter how horrendous you think it is. Your character does not exclude you no matter what people say about you. Your actions don't dismiss you. No matter what the consequences, you still have to go through here on earth. The message of the angels was clear. 
today in the town of David, a Savior has been born. He is Christ the Lord. The angels tell the message. The glory of the Lord shines as God's presence on earth affirms the, the importance, the, the reliability of the message. And you need, you need to listen to that message. And stop disqualifying or excluding or dismissing yourself. God is a God of grace and love and forgiveness, a God who gave his son for us, a God who is willing to help us even when we're not living up to his standard, a God who is willing to shower his goodwill on those who do not yet nor may ever love him the way they should. That is the good news that we speak about and sing about at Christmas. And while God never excuses, he never overlooks sin, which is why Jesus came in the first place. The rain falling on the just and the unjust means essentially that God is willing to bless and does bless the saved and the lost, the godly and the ungodly, the saint and the sinner. We need to understand that first. Now let's get to the main point over in John chapter 1. We want to take a brief look at why it is so significant that our identity in Christ is this Jesus in a manger. We're going to read from verse 1 down to verse 14. It reads relatively quickly. We are fairly familiar with it. It says, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him, and without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not. There was a man sent from God whose name was John. We just read about him. That's from, from Zacharias. That's Zacharias's boy, John the Baptist. Verse 7, the same came for a witness, to bear witness of the light that all men through him might believe. He was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of that light. That was the true light which lighteth every man that cometh into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. But as many as received him, to them gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name, which were born not of uh, blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld his glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Let's begin focusing on two verses, verse 1 and verse 14. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. In verse 14, we saw that this Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. You know, John's Christmas story account doesn't focus on Joseph and Mary. There's, there's, there's no angels there's no shepherds, there's no magi, you know, wise men. There's just the word being made flesh. It's Jesus in the manger. You notice the language. In the beginning was the word. At his birth, his name is still the word. 
The word who will rule the universe is now the word who is a baby wrapped up in a manger. The word whose voice brought creation into existence now can only communicate through a few cries and whimpers. The word has been, has been there from eternity past, will be for eternity future, but right now he has a physical lifespan. The word who was limitless now can't even move without Mary or Joseph carrying him around. God in the flesh is completely identifying with us. Now, why does he identify with us? Because he wants to. Because he wants to be our lamb, our sacrifice. And to do that, to die in our place, he must be one of us. To represent us, he has to be like us. Look at verses 4 and 5. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. And the light shineth in darkness, and the darkness comprehended it not, or, or, or didn't overtake it, we could say. In the beginning, the word separates light from darkness. In the manger, Jesus coming in the flesh is to separate light from darkness, spiritual light from spiritual darkness, spiritual life from spiritual death. And that light, we can see a gracious Savior who is full of grace, and he is full of truth, who, who, who doesn't want to make our relationship with him complicated. Now, now the, I mean, there is a sense in, when it is, in which it is kind of complicated. Um, I mean, you take your Bible, you choose a book of the Bible, even a short one, and, and, and you can study just that short book for your entire life and still not fully understand the depths of the scriptures. I mean, it's complicated in that sense. But it's also very simple. Because when Jesus invites us into relationship with him to trust him to save us, he says what? Romans chapter 10, verse 9, that if thou shalt confess with thy mouth the Lord Jesus, and thou shalt believe in thine heart that God hath raised him from the dead, thou shalt be saved. That is not complicated. It is simple. It may not be easy, but it's simple. There's another occasion when a religious leader comes to Jesus and says, what's the greatest commandment? And it seemed like this guy was expecting a long discussion about the matter. But Matthew 22, 37 to 40, it says, Jesus said unto him, Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thy heart, with all thy soul, with all thy mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. The second is like unto it, that thou shalt love thy neighbor as thyself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Jesus summarizes the whole of the Old Testament law in three sentences, two phrases, love God, love your neighbor. That's pretty simple. may not be easy, but it's simple. You stop loving God, and you end up with complexity and darkness and sin. You stop loving your neighbor, you end up with complexity and darkness and sin. Jesus is the word the child in the manger who comes to bring light and life so you don't have to stay in darkness. Before everything existed, before anything was in place, Jesus 
is the Word. He is the Word who made declarations and he made promises. He is the Word who taught wisdom and taught how God wants us to live according to his Word. He is the Word who speaks. He is the Word who dialogues with us. He is the word who gives reasons and the word who tells us why uh, he tells us why that we he tells us why we will give an account for the way that we've lived. He's the word that that confronts spiritually arrogant but he comforts He comforts the spiritually broken. He is the word which is logical and relational. He is the word who told stories, taught doctrines, and silenced pretenses. Everything we need is, is right here in scriptures. And, and, and our choice from here is very clear. Look at verses 10 and 11. He was in the world, and the world was made by him, and the world knew him not. He came unto his own, and his own received him not. If you are not going to see the light, you'll spend an eternity in darkness, separated from God, But if you're going to see the light, if you're going to see what the word wants you to see, to understand what he wants you to understand, the first question you have to ask yourself is, do you recognize the word? Do you recognize this child in a manger? Do you recognize God the Son in the flesh? The Greek word for word is logos. It's the full expression of the Godhead in the flesh. When we look at Jesus, we see all that God is. Do you recognize him for who he is? You're not going to see the light. You're not going to have any chance at, 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 at spiritual life. You're not going to have any chance uh, of either peace with God because if you haven't trusted Christ as Savior, you and God are not at peace. You're at enmity one with another. Uh, you are God's enemy if you've not trusted Christ as Savior. God wants to change that. He wants you to trust Christ to save you so that you become friends and family instead of enemy. But you're not going to have peace with God. You're not going to have the peace of God until you have recognized the word. Jesus, God the Son. And then once you have recognized the word, once you have laid down your barriers, once you're willing to put your faith, your trust in him, once you're willing to repent of your sins, then look at verse 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he power, he gives them the ability to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. If you have trusted Christ as your Savior, that is your identity. That is who you are in Christ. 
It's the miracle of what happens in that little manger. The culmination of God becoming flesh, wrapped in swaddling clothes to protect his little body from any blemish so that he could at the appropriate time as God's, at God's appointed time as the Lamb of God offer himself as the sacrifice for your sins, completely qualified by God's law to do so. So what are you going to do? The cliche question. What are you going to do with Jesus? Are you going to stay in the manger? Are you going to uh, pack him up like we do the little nativity scenes? We pack him up. We're always so careful to put him in the foam so they don't break, you know, and throw him up in the attic for another year. Is that what you're going to do with him? That's not recognizing Jesus for who he is. The Lamb of God who wants to take away your sins, wants to save you from your sins. But you've got to trust him. Repent of your sins and trust Christ to save you. That, that's the miracle of the manger. Stand with your heads bowed and eyes closed, if you would. Father, we want to thank you for the opportunity to focus again on a marvelous truth beyond our understanding is how you could drape yourself in human flesh and yet remain sinless. How you could fulfill all of the Father's law die as our sacrifice and raise from the dead to make intercession for those who believe on you for all eternity. Father, I pray this morning for anyone here this, that, that doesn't know Christ as Savior or that your spirit would draw them, that they would understand uh, what their sin has done to them, how it has disqualified them from, from entrance into your presence, and yet how you so desperately love them and have offered Jesus as, as payment for their sin. Lord, I pray that you would convict them and draw them. Lord, for those of us who have had many, many Christmas Sundays, so many so that it's you know, kind of hard to think of something new. It's hard to think of something different. Kind of take it for granted. I pray, Father, that you would renew in us that joy. That excitement that the angels conveyed to the shepherds that they experienced as they saw their Messiah laying in a clump of hay. Father, help us to treasure that child who then became our Savior. Father, we need you to do this work in us. We are completely insufficient to the task. 
We do pray, Lord, for your help according to your will. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. And Mike, would you come ahead? If you can sit tight for, for just a second. Okay. Um, Denali, could you get the kids from Junior Church for me? Just let them know that we're ready. Um, give me just a second to get some of these gifts passed out to the kids. Then we'll turn you loose. If you're um, elementary grades or lower, come on up. Elementary or lower. Elementary or lower? Okay, what about, ele- let's see, what's next? Elementary, middle school. Middle school. And don't be shy. Everybody's looking at you. They're all making faces at you. They're wondering what's in the boxes. You might have to share. Okay, it looks like it's middle school. Is that right? High school. High school. I did middle school. Is there junior high anymore? Or is it just middle and high school? Man, I like junior high. College. College. He's in college. Are you in college? Oh, she's on the All right. Did you miss anybody? 
Oh, I got somebody. You guys should be up here. Come on up here. Come on. You gonna make it up? There we go. All right, and Corey, come get one for little John. Come on. He's probably not old enough to eat eat these, so you have to share them with your mom. Okay, um, his 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 mom. Yeah. Did you get one? Okay. Taking care of family. That's a good thing to do. Family is good. All right, that's it. All right, thank you. Now you can stand up and go eat lunch. Old folks don't need candy. Ah, <laughs> uh, you're out of luck. <laughs>